Welcome to the Talent Cast, the Lost episodes, or the Lost interviews. I haven't decided what to call them as I record this, so I guess I have decided what to call them. Anyway, I did four amazing interviews during my break, my hiatus, well, at least when my hiatus started, when I was planning on coming back to the Talent Cast very quickly, and I have not made decisions as to whether or not I'm coming back to the Talent Cast, but I had these amazing interviews with some amazing, wonderful, smart people that I knew. If I kept on my hard drive any longer, the guilt would just kill me, and I needed to get these things out to the world. So that's what we're doing. We're releasing the lost interviews in one foul swoop. Uh, I hope you enjoy them, but we have a few housekeeping notes, first of which is I have got to thank Chad and Cheese uh, of Chad and Cheese. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman, who not only are good friends of mine and who just turned 50 a day apart from each other. So that feels suspicious somehow. Anyway, neither here nor there. They, uh, they and the Evergreen Network have sponsored and kept my podcast going uh, for the last year plus, and I, I really do appreciate what, you know, them and what they've done and how they've really kind of put pushed the employer brand recruitment marketing space forward in the, t- in the podcast world. So thank you, Joel. Thank you, Chad. Thank you so much for having me as part of this network, and we'll see where the future takes us. I don't know where that's going to be. Two other notes. First, you know that book I wrote and then that other book I wrote? I'm making them free. Not not just, hey, it's on Amazon, I, I don't have any cost here, I'm, I'm lowering the cost really. I mean, literally, I put it all in a Google Doc, and if you go to employerbrandbook.com, it takes you to the Google Doc. The actual text and images of the books are right there. They're freely available for you to read, for you to copy and paste, for you to clip stuff from, for you to share, to give to your boss, to give to your coworkers, whatever you want, I'm putting it out in the world. My goal, as always, both of the podcast and the newsletters and the books and all that stuff is to raise the conversation of employer brand, to let people know how amazing employer brand can be. Rather than try and flog a book, I'm trying to say, here, take it, get some value out of it, share this with people who need to have their perspective changed on what employers employer brand can be. That's what it's all there for. I don't make a penny. How could I? It's a Google Doc. So please share. That again is employerbrandbook.com. Second thing, my efforts that used to go into the podcast now go into a weekly newsletter called Employer Brand Headlines. If you like the podcast, you're going to love the headlines. Why? You One, you don't have to hear my voice. Two, I write like I talk, so it's almost like you hear my voice. And three, you can read my little newsletter in much less time it takes than to listen to a podcast. So there you go. It's much faster. If you go to employerbrand.news, there it is. Go ahead and sign up. It's free. It drops every Monday. And, uh, you know, we have 1,500 subscribers, which I think makes us the biggest employer brand newsletter in the world, which is crazy. But there you go. Anyway. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Like I said, I don't know what the future holds, but I appreciate you being a part of it and listening and sharing and telling me what you thought. I really listened to every word. Um, I don't know where the future is. I don't know where we're heading, but I look forward to what we've got next. So without any further ado, thank you so much again. Here's the interview. All right. Well, I know it's been a while since we've all spoken. Talentcast has been off the air for a little bit, but we're back. I wanted to make sure when I came back, I came back with a bang. So one of the parts of that is Katrina Kibben, who I have known for coming on three years now, four years. I think we met physically at a conference that you were co-running uh, in Chicago forever ago. And since then, actually before then, but since then I have totally uh, seen Katrina's work as just absolutely vital when it comes to talent acquisition and employer brand. You know the work she, uh, they are being done, being done by them are is um, 
not just revolutionary. It's really almost looking backwards to say, let's uncover the past and let's uncover what's wrong and do it right. So I'm so pleased to be able to present Katrina Kibben, who, if you don't know, is amazing. So Katrina, how you doing? I'm awesome in that. I'll just go everywhere with you now. You want to do intros uh, permanently? <laughs> <laughs> For you, it, it's easy. It, there are some people It's like, wait, hold on. Huh, let me think. No, you, you were easy. And I am a, to be perfectly honest, I'm a fanboy, but you already knew that. So I, the, the thing that I am most impressed by, there are many things, but the thing I am most impressed by, despite the fact that you're, or just as well as being CEO of three years media, which is doing great work. What I'm so impressed by and so thrilled by is your deep dive into something that should be boring that should be a nothing burger that should be just this thing we do naturally and it's absolutely not and it's so vital that we uncover and unpack and break apart and rethink about job postings and job descriptions and you are and i'm not the only one who would say this you are the person to talk to about that so i i can't wait to unpack that um tell me when did you kind of start falling in love with the idea of job postings and job descriptions yeah, so it was a total accident, and I know you of all people will love this story. So I was in, I started my company, and a few months later, I was invited to the biggest speaking gig I had ever been offered. It was an incredible opportunity, right? So I spent a lot of time working on my presentation, and my presentation was going to be all about job postings. Mm. And as a copywriter who has specialized in recruiting for a really long time, I had done a lot of them, but I, I didn't necessarily have my trophy wall yet. And let me explain what I mean by that. So I, I built a hypothesis of what I believed could change job postings, just a few recommendations. And a good friend of mine who's a mass gen marketer was like, you have to put a call to action on there. You know, put something that can help people connect with you. And I thought to myself, well, I will offer one free job posting. Here we go. Yes, I know why you're laughing. So here's what happened next. I was actually on a plane the day that my presentation aired and I went up into the air and watching the presentation and there are a lot of people on there and I'm thinking to myself, whoa, how cool, what a cool opportunity. And then my laptop died. And as I landed, my I turned on my phone, right? And I start, the, vi the vibrations start. And over 300 people asked for job rewrites in 30 minutes. And then another really 600 good. rolled through in the next oh six days. Unreal. And I, <laughs> I'm a little stubborn. And also coming from a marketing background, I'm like, we made a promise. We're going to do this. Oh, my goodness. And I sat down with every single person. And we wrote every single posting for every one of those people that showed up. And the thing, the thing that it highlighted for me, the thing that always resonated with me is that moment where we mutually remember what it means to be a job seeker. And I ask that of every hiring manager I ever speak to. One of the first things I'll say to them is, do you remember what it feels like to be a job seeker? And in that moment, it's like something washes over both of us. And we remember what it feels like to have no power. And we remember what it feels like to be willing to change your whole life and have no one meet you on the other side. Yeah. And to no, me, I, I, 
Yeah, that, you know, I mean, I, nobody nobody I talks enough about this idea that job job changes are life changes. There's 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 no kind of like translation there. If you're changing your job, you are changing your life. So asking someone to change a job is asking them to change your life, and the, the bar is much higher than it is for, you know, hey, what cereal should I buy? Exactly, exactly. Like I, whenever I talk about this topic, and people make fun of me all the time. They're like, man, you are so emotional about job postings, and I am because. If you have gone on the internet and typed in the words to a job, you've done something different than just searched for a job. You've admitted that you're willing to change your whole life. You've admitted that something is wrong and it's not good enough for you anymore. And to me, that should be met with respect. We talk about candidate experience and automation, and it drives me nuts that we have yet to go back to the fundamentals and the currency of recruiting, which is a job posting. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, all of talent acquisition, and I've talked about this a little bit lately on my newsletter, is about this idea that everybody's automating and optimizing instead of finding ways to innovate. That everybody's so, how do I do this, but a little faster? How do I do this, but a little uh, to a wider reach of audience? And you're like, yeah, but are you doing it the thing right? Is it good? Is it useful? The fact that you can spam the living hell out of an audience of millions on LinkedIn does not mean that that's actually going to be useful. And let's not forget that anything that's easy to do, just because, in fact, the fact that it is easy to do means everybody else is doing it. It means that you are not the only one taking advantage of that spam tool, of that optimization tool, of that sorting tool. Every, if, if it's easy, everybody is. So consequently, it's not useful. And that means in the end, what matters is going backwards. And I think that's exactly where job postings live. Yep. You're speeding up a train wreck. You're speeding up a terrible first impression. Like, has anyone ever said, God, I really wish that train wreck, I wish that train had been going faster. No, no. Right. And ultimately by posting more jobs that I hear it all the time, right? Oh, I, we just want to get these jobs out. We'll update them later. Mm -hmm. And all yeah. they've done is sped up a really bad first impression and one that will linger with someone for a really long time, depending how yeah. badly you've done. <laughs> and then you uncover it and you go, well, where did this horrible train wreck come from? You go, well, it's what we did last year. And where did that come from? Well, it's what we did the year before. Where did that come from? Well, we stole it from this book or we stole it from, God help us, this other company. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> What the heck? You were just layering and compounding crap on crap on crap and going, gosh, I wonder why it's so hard to attract good candidates. Right. The first step to creating anything is not copying and pasting someone else's stuff. Like, let's just, exactly. let's all agree to that. Can we all handshake on that just really quick virtually? <laughs> I will not copy someone else's place and call stuff and call that a starting point. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's there's standing on the shoulders of giants and then there's just stock or copy it doesn't make any sense it just is absolutely crazy well and that's the whole thing is so people are really surprised that when they learn how to write job postings with me i don't come with any rules because the, mm -hmm. the only rule that you should be abiding by is that it's for them not about you you know that that it's truly created as something that is intended to enable another human to find their dream it's not about you and it's not about some best in class standard. I can set all the rules in the world, but best in class does not mean best for you. I think rules are just setting boundaries of don't you dare do this. But otherwise, we're, we really need to stop thinking in that context and we need to start thinking of the people on the other side. Okay. 
here's the here's the the real painful question where does that love of rules where does that love of best in class where does that love of tell me what to do and i'll do it come from in recruiting that and i think job postings are the you know i'm not going to call it the tip of the iceberg but they're certainly indicative of that kind of thinking in so much of talent acquisition everybody seems to use the same kind of tool sets everybody seems to kind of do it the same way where does this come from i genuinely believe that it's a lack of an education pipeline So when we look at a traditional field like finance or engineering, they all have a same base of education prior to entering the market. When you enter the recruitment marketing or employer brand market, the education, the educational background of each candidate is drastically different. So we don't start from the same place. And I do believe And frankly, I believe that's across talent, every single function, HR, uh, basically anything that's except HRIS, which does have that traditional pipeline. I genuinely believe that's that's why is because we were never given a playbook in the first place, nor are we on the same playing field about even what good is. And I I genuinely believe that podcasts like this and the other content that's being created is our first step towards creating a baseline of good. And, and I'll, let me just say right now, that is not some audit. That's like, you do all the steps on Glassdoor, 100 out of 100, you win. That <laughs> I got a good score. Come on, come on. <laughs> it just can't be it, you know? Because I know, I know. the beauty of recruiting and the danger of recruiting is that everything is personal. Everything is niche. It, it is the most beautiful and tragic aspect at the exact same time for someone who wants to create a master's or a playbook off of this. Okay, so now you've put me in a quandary because now I got to title this podcast and I can't tell if it's going to be speeding up the train wreck or everything is personal. So you've really put me in a bit of a bind there. Just let me keep talking. Do do? I'm really going to screw you up. I know. <laughs> That's people say about me. It's like, you just keep coming up with these lines. I'm like, I, I don't know. I just keep talking and eventually stuff pops out. So I mean, we could absolutely dive into why HR is in love with its own, you know, process of doing things. And I think, I think a lot of it is right. That the lack of pipeline, that lack of, of um, educational awareness that most HR people, not to step on HR, but most HR people are, are graded on how many years of experience they have, not what they've accomplished, simply because it's very hard to measure what great HR looks like. It's very hard to measure what great recruiting looks like. It's very hard to see that. So consequently, they have incorrect metrics. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. So you, first off, anyone starting a business, that's the answer. Go find a big speaking event, give something away for free at the end of it. And you become an instant expert because <laughs> I think your experience is that, well, you know, if six, if you have to do something 600 times, congratulations, you've now done it um, infinitely more than any other human being has ever done it. So you are the expert. Right. What did you learn by that process? Tell me, you know, and tell everybody, you know, what are some of the I guess the obvious things that we should be doing differently and maybe some takeaways that might surprise people. Yeah, honestly, it was one of those like best worst scenarios for me because (laughs) as a copywriter, I came into the field and this goes out to all the consultants who are listening to this very much thinking I'll be a generalist, right? Copywriting, you can write anything. And the reality is that when you start a business, not having a specialty will always play against you. Because if you're not known for one thing, you're known for nothing. Exactly. And you're competing with literally everybody. 
Exactly. Exactly. So find something you love and test it in that way, right? Really, that presentation, that was a big test for me. Yeah, validation. Where people cared. And the, the moral of the story is, yeah, they care a lot and they know nothing. And I say that with love, right? Like, and I'm not saying they know nothing. They know no, they know nothing, but they have the biggest heart, and they care so much. But no traditional education pipeline means they were never taught. I never met another job post expert who could teach anyone something that was really memorable and easy for yeah. them to replicate over and over again. I, I created yeah. it, you know. Yeah. And so. What I, what surprised me is that I spoke with companies, big, small, everything in between. I was talking to fortune tens and mom and pop shops in this mm. process because everybody wants a free something or other, yeah. right? Everybody wants a free and something. What surprised me is they all struggled with the same things that, that shook me truly. The first thing that they all struggled with is that their job postings were way too long. Now. The excuse they followed up with was always a little bit nuanced and a little different, but consistently they knew somewhere in their gut, it was way too much information and they did not understand what the person on the other side actually wanted to hear. And that red flag danger, do not write anything, anything ever. If you don't actually know who the audience is, don't do that. Like yeah. if we set any boundaries here, let's set that one, right? We write for people. So you actually need to know them. Um, the second one I ran into a lot is because of that lack of clarity. They just made stuff up. Like I've actually created banned vocabulary lists because I ran across so many phrases that I hated so much, like a highly collaborative team player who's looking for a fast growth team that literally, but that's also part of the copy and paste, right? Of course your stuff sounds like everyone else's. You started by stealing it from someone else. And you say things that are inherently good. Like who says, no, I don't want a self-starter. I don't want someone who's, I want, I want someone who's bad at communicating verbally and written. Uh, I want someone who isn't a self-starter. I want someone who isn't very detail oriented. I just want someone who sits in a chair apparently. Right. But the issue with that is that that vocabulary is not universal. Being collaborative at three years media and being collaborative uh, at, you know, the talent cast two different experiences. They mean different things. And yeah. so that's where I'm really starting to push back. And that's where I feel like I have an opportunity to actually change the way people philosophically think about this work so that we get to a place where we're writing what we would say instead of thinking so hard. Truly, I, I was like, you know, I guess I'm just Captain Obvious rolling around in this world that I just get to march around and be like, would you say that? No, don't write it. <laughs> Well, sometimes it takes that bluntness, that directness to say the things that, you know, oh, gosh, you're right. Why didn't I ever think of that before? Yeah. and But philosophically, if you're centered in that idea of like someone on the other side of this feels deep in their heart that their whole life isn't right right now, like they want to change everything for us. I feel like I'm going to write something that's more powerful and yeah. better inherently because I'm thinking of them because I care about them. Yeah. Cause so many of them are written for the lawyers. You're trying to avoid the lawyers coming down on you. You're trying to write something that is going to pass muster in that it's not going to be offensive or, or scary or 
the hiring manager is not going to say, what the hell is this? It's just, it's just just enough to get it out the door. Right. Or they try to create so many boundaries that they create this super enormous pile of BS and Mm. bias that actually push away the people that, you know, they're writing press releases about attracting. Yeah. So let's take a a specific idea and I'm pulling this. It's kind of out of of nowhere. And if this doesn't work, we can trim this out. So let's take a a thing I know I see pretty much at every job posting. And that is must be an excellent written and spoken communicator. And there's many variations I've seen verbal communicator. I've still seen must have excellent oral skills, which let's be fair. That says a lot about the job, I guess. How do you approach just something as simple like that? Do you even have it at all in your job postings? If you're trying to shorten it, is that just garbage or how do you talk about it or how do you think through a line like that that you see everywhere okay so in short it's garbage but the beauty so so the beauty of having those conversations and experiences truly is that i have a story for everything so so the reason why so number one the the tactical piece is that you should talk about qualities in context So strong verbal skills says one thing, present in front of a team of 100 and executives to sell your idea. That is strong verbal skills. And I can, I'm being explicit and clear without creating that unclarity and generalization of saying strong verbal skills. But when I think about strong verbal skills, I actually think about a conference I was at Um, At the very last minute, they asked me if I would run this panel, and I'm not going to name the conference because I don't want to point fingers at their lack of preparedness, Mm -hmm. but last minute, they're like, hey, you're great. Can you ask some questions? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Fine. So I go up on this stage, and there's three people, and it's a diversity panel, and this was prior to this year. There's three people, and there's a guy, there's a black man, a black woman, and then a guy that looks a lot like you, James. And I was frankly confused. I'm like, who's this dude? You know, like, what's he doing here? And he stands up and he starts to tremor. And he shares with the audience that he has Parkinson's and it was diagnosed very early in his life. And basically people kept telling him that he couldn't do the job. And they pointed to that line, strong verbal skills, strong verbal skills. And the man went so long without work. I will never, genuinely, I'm getting choked up thinking about him. He looked me dead in the eye and he says to me, I went so long without work that I didn't know how I was going to feed my kid. And you will never forget the moment when you don't know how to feed your child that night. Mm -hmm. And so he went on to create a recruiting firm that specializes in hiring people with disabilities. And he helped people push past this because that line, strong verbal skills, is a way that we push people with disabilities out of our jobs. Well, it's a way that we we cut people out with frivolous skills and it's not right. Yeah. And if I if we all remember that we could be stopping someone from a dream, we stop someone from feeding their children, I think we'd second guess putting stuff like that in the in our posts. Yeah. And that, that brings up, I, I'm just having this moment of, of just, it's clicking for me of something I've never considered before. When your language is copy and paste, when your language is 
dead in the middle. You're going to attract and hire the same people over and over again. And those people aren't the same people of you. They're the, the norm, whatever the average statistical norm is. If it's going to be mostly men, then it's going to be men. You're going to get nothing but men. If you're going to be mostly white people, it's going to be definitely white people. You're, you're, you're skewing towards the mushy middle instead of finding that way of saying, there's a lot of opportunity for this job to become yours, for you to turn into the thing that you can be amazing at. That It's, it's just clicking now. That, that is really interesting. Well, and we've both been there, right? Where people are so focused on pipeline, pipeline, let's change our company, right? But the reality is like the way we ask matters. That's that's why I started my company. It's like, I, I'm a writer and I was looking at all of these variables, right? So I read this book about branding and it tells you that you're supposed to find one universal problem. And I'm thinking to myself, man, yeah. this guy knows nothing about recruiting universal problem, my butt, <laughs> right? But the universal problem I came up with, you're about to laugh at me, is that hiring is hard. And I was like, thanks, Captain Obvious. Like, yeah, no shit. But the reason hiring is hard is not obvious. The reason hiring is hard is because there are a million variables we do not control, right? We don't control if their partner wants to move to the other side of the country. We don't control if they're planning on having a baby, if they, they don't want that job title. They want this job title. I can go on and on for all the reasons a candidate has said no in my experience, but the one, one thing that we can control is how we ask what we say. And companies disregard that fact constantly. They think we can speed it up, right? We can speed Mm -hmm. up the train wreck. We can create all this technology and not one person opens up the automation and goes, why does it sound like a machine? Like, Terminator is not our recruiter. Let's fix it. (laughs) Yeah, I've said many times that most job postings look like they were translated from English into Icelandic, retranslated back by two lawyers who didn't like each other back into English, and that's what most (laughs) job postings are. I love that. I will probably borrow that. Please. (laughs) So so, here's here's my sticking point because I will clearly – let me draw a line between you and me. You are an actual copywriter, and I am absolutely not. Do I write? Do I spew words on a page? Yes. Does that make me a copywriter? Oh, hells no. So does it require being a copy editor to write a good job posting? Absolutely not. I believe in order to teach people, obviously, I think you should go through training. I am completely biased because I do offer the training, but... I believe that it has to be a two-part change and it's one part philosophical and one part Mm -hmm. tactical. Mm -hmm. That if we change our minds about jobs, the actual job posting and what it's supposed to be and how much it means to success for everyone, and then we apply tactics, that's how we change the writing function within our companies. And if I'm gonna point a finger and change any part of it first, Job postings are exactly where I would start because so many of the problems, right? The problems that we constantly point to pipeline, uh, I I can go on and on branding. We want to stand out. All of it comes back to the moment we make an impression. And that is the first impression for almost like 90% of your candidates. I mean, even if you're, I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. This is where the bulk of your impressions are made. And impressions we don't get any follow up on. Right. Mm. Everyone's like, oh, they click on the job posting and then they go to our career site. And I'm like, um, 
4% of the people yeah, exactly. who look at your job posting click and go to your career site. The other 96% are just staring at this and they're gone. Yeah, because they're reading on a job board and you are competing with 4,000 other very similarly worded, very similarly structured, very similarly described jobs based on the criteria of whatever query you dropped in. If you drop in program manager, here's 4,000 program manager jobs all described roughly the same way. You don't stand out. And I think 4% is being nice. 4% is, is, is a win relative to 4,000 other jobs. If that's your click-through rate, that's, that's, that's saying something because you don't stand out at all because you're in a, in a world where you are exactly the same as everybody else. Exactly. And I think the other area where people think they're standing out, but they're actually hurting themselves is the job title. Because that's another dimension of the first impression that, again, we do not talk about it often enough. If someone had told me at 21 when I was leaving college that all job titles are made up, my entire yeah. life would have been different. And I'm not. Like, <laughs> that is a fair point. That is a 100% right? fair point. I, 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 yeah. And beyond that, let's go to that. Let's, most job postings are written or are made up. Most yeah. you know, expectations of what the job is is made up. If you walked in and said, okay, you have to have all these criteria. And I know we can talk about degrees as being a criteria, whether that's useful or not. It's like, okay, but if Bill Gates walked in, you'd hire them in the spot, even though they didn't meet 90% of those criteria because they have quality and they have value. And you know that if Bill Gates shows up or Linus Torvald shows up, they're going to get the job done. That's there's the only right. There's a there's a CEO of a robotics company right now that if they're listening, they are cringing because they we had that exact conversation last week. And <laughs> we went round and round and round. And finally I said, okay, Steve Jobs, you're looking at Steve Jobs yeah. on paper. Would you hire him? Yeah, no degree. Would you hire Bill Gates? Steve Jobs is great because it's, it's no degree fired from his CEO jobs publicly, <laughs> embarrassingly. He's not necessarily a great coder. And yet somehow, would you, would, if he asked to take any job, you'd be like, here's the keys. Do what you, do what you want. Yeah, because college, and, and this is what I said to them and I would say to anyone, college is a privilege, not a right. Only about 36% of Americans have degrees. Job mm. postings would make you believe that number is much, much higher. And I do not believe fundamentally principled, truly in my heart. I know a lot of things have to go right for you to end up in a college and to have a success in college, right? Yeah. You, you have to have great teachers. You have to have a great family. You have, I mean, I can go on and on about all the little privileges mm -hmm. we don't realize we have that bring us to a four-year degree. And I refuse right. to believe that having everything go right your whole life makes you more qualified or more successful in a role. Mm -hmm. It's just not true, especially once you get down those non-licensed paths like you are, uh -huh. you and I are on, or yeah. even, you know, 10 years into my HR manager job, I don't need my degree, period. Yeah. I have done all the work to invest in that learning. Uh, and I, it bothers me that I know so many C-suite level talent that have been pushed down to director and VP level jobs because of a degree 20 years into their career. That's stupid. Jeez. Yeah. That's crazy. And I do not use the word stupid lightly. I just want to be very clear <laughs> about that, but it is. And it, so where does it come from? Where does the expectation come from that? 
a degree is everything. Is it just sheer follow the leader? This is what everybody expects from before. I mean, I, I, I would love to, I mean, maybe the, the conversation better suited to go in this idea that I don't think we've embraced this idea that most jobs are made up. And then in fact, when people hire people, they hire for the past. They say, this is the job I think it was when someone else did it. So I want someone who looks and acts kind of sort of like them. But in the, in reality, if the right person showed up and said, no, no, I'm going to reinvent this whole job or, Hey, this job is something is going to use skills that you've never used. We're going to do all crypto, you know, to use this job and you're not a crypto person. It, we're not allowing the opportunity for talent to come in and be talented. We're saying, check the box, fill in the space, you know, be the cookie cutter that we're expecting. And that so undercuts what a business can do. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I honestly, I think the reason college degrees are still in job postings is because of capitalism, racism, and bias. Straight up. That's the reason they went in there in the first place. You know, I've done, I've been working on this study of job postings over time to understand how tactics represent bias. Because I, I genuinely, I just don't feel that underlining a word and saying it's masculine or feminine, I think that's one <laughs> dimension, but that's not it, you know, because at, especially as someone who's non-binary, I feel like I represent so many different aspects of both of those worlds. And mm. so seeing myself, right. Take a minute. Let's stand on that moment for a second. Cause that's just kind of shaking my world a bit in a good way. You're a hundred percent right. We, you know, we talked before we started recording that I don't have much interaction with non-binary people. And so my assumption is, is, you know, when you look at a, a tool that says, Hey, we're going to tell you if it's gendered one way or the other, that's not, a, it's forgetting the, the percentage of people who fall somewhere else. Exactly. I that read is so important. You know, if you pick a binary, you probably picked wrong. Okay. You got to unpack that one for me. Yeah. So, so for me, it means a lot more, but I think it represents a philosophy that's very important when we think about the candidate experience, right? We talked earlier about how recruiting, the beauty of recruiting is the nuance, it is the niche. It's how we mm-hmm. tailor and adapt it as an experience for people who have come from many different places. We bring them together to create a collective, beautiful experience that changes their life. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me how you do that for one kind of person and you don't exclude others. Right? Tell oh, me. Oh, boy. Right? Wow. If, if we're leaning one direction or another, I think we've inherently said that one is good and one is bad, that one is yes and one is no. And that is exactly the kind of mindset we're trying to move away from. We're trying to build a future. You know, I, 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 I am not a DNI expert. It's something that I really only focus on in the context of job postings in my life. But um, I, I think so many people, right, they're they're so focused on good, bad, yes, no, those binary reactions to creation that we stopped thinking about what could we be in the future and trying to build a plan that actually helps us take steps towards that. And by creating tools that are inherently built on binaries, we, I guess my gut is just like, that's, is that really where we want to start is mm-hmm. by creating rules that we're slowly realizing should 
and can be broken liberally. Yeah. So let's, I, I think that is a oh, really kind of breaking my brain in the best possible way. Let's take it beyond gender because I think gender comes with a whole lot of baggage, good, bad, and ugly, right? Mm-hmm. The concept of binary, have a degree, doesn't have a degree, has a certification, doesn't have a certification, has five years of experience, doesn't have five years of experience, knows this programming language, doesn't know this programming language. That is so kind of threaded through the DNA of almost every job posting I've ever seen. And now you are taking a very kind of orthogonal approach and saying, yeah, maybe that's not the best way to do it. This idea of it's not about yes, no, good, bad, left, right, A or B. It is about what does it mean to be human and what kind of human are you? And how can we connect those dots to say, look, we have a job that requires someone to build some code. We know that code is part of this. You can use almost any language, or frankly, if you know one language, learning another language is like that, you know, not not directly, literally, but it's pretty quick. Maybe you have a different way of seeing that solves problems better than the person who's the expert in the coding language we're already in. There's so many opportunities to say, if you look at it as a person would look at it, rather than a set of criteria and requirements that opens up the business to much, 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 much better talent. And I'm, I'm wrestling with this in, in, in my head, but that is absolutely fascinating. Right. And you described it perfectly, right? It's about being a human. And so when we talk about this, we should be talking about mutual experiences, not mutual timelines, not mutual privilege, not mutual fill in the blank. And here's what I mean. Let's say I, we both have two years of employer brand experience, but I worked at Google for two years. And you worked at three years media for two years. Mm-hmm. Do we have the same skills now? Not even remotely close. But we have the same years of experience. So technically we should be applying to the same job, right? Exactly. That is so messed up. It doesn't even make sense when you say it like that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We should be talking about the work you have done to prepare you for this job. That's one of my favorite questions. I think, honestly, after writing those 600 job postings, I I got better at writing job postings, but ultimately the number one thing I was better at was hiring manager intake. I would put my intake Mm. against anyone. And I say that right now as a promise to anyone listening to this, I think my intake is better than yours. (laughs) The reason being, and I say that with love and it's not just, I know it's a bold claim. It's a nerdy claim, but it's a bold claim. And I like both sides of that. But you know me well enough to know that I wouldn't say it unless I actually believed it. Well, and let's be reason, fair. Anybody, no, who else has done 500 intake meetings exactly. in the space of two or three months or four months or however long it took you to do it? That's, that's, that is the boot camp. Right? But what's beautiful about it is because mine is all centered on human experience. Mm-hmm. So I don't ask what skills are you looking for because I don't want a list. I want experiences. So what I'll ask, one of my favorite questions is, what are they doing now to prepare for this role? You know, no one has ever told me a job title. Hmm. No one has ever responded to that question with two years of experience. They say they've coded this. They created Hmm. this. They're managing Hmm. uh, over 10,000 SKUs. They're running these kinds of reports. They're solving these kinds of problems. And to me, when, when I have that intel, my job posting will perform better than yours. 
right? Yeah. I know it's going to yeah. work because because I'm I'm going and I'm looking at something and going, yes, I can do this. And if I accomplish that task, I'm better than 90% of job postings. I feel like we should just stop talking for about five seconds to let everybody write that down because I know <laughs> I did. And we're done. Okay. Because that's... That is your okay. I mean, honestly, just walking in with that one is is puts you in the top ten job intake people ever. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, what else have is, is surprising about this process? How do you? Because the thing I struggle with, because I kind of do do this in my daily, you know, day job. Yeah. Uh, I'm in the process of writing job postings, and I come from a slightly different because I'm not a copywriter, and I've always said that you know I write B plus job postings, but I write them consistently. That writing an A job posting takes more effort, more thought, more consideration, and being a copywriter doesn't hurt. Um, but I am in the middle of this. I am in the middle of this slog. So. What else should someone be asking? What else should someone be looking for or looking at when they're writing these job postings? Yeah. Well, so I think one of them is looking at what people believe is good. You know, oh, so boy. often we go into that these is a trainings, box. Right. Like, and and that's probably where I should have started this whole thing, right? No. Um <laughs> It's because there's a lot of inherent beliefs while we've built so many lies that exist within the title and the copying and pasting and some of the trends, ultimately those come from a fundamental belief that that's good. Yeah. Right. That someone told them at some point that would work. That was good yeah. enough. And we just kept passing that belief down from mm -hmm. generation to mm -hmm. generation. And so I spend more time than I'd like to admit sitting with executives and doing trainings with hiring managers simply to convince them that this philosophy is right. Yeah. You know, so how, how do you measure good on that case? How do you say the difference between the same old, same old that you've been doing for since time memorial and the Katrina Kibben version is so much better. How do you show that that's better? How do you show that it's, it, it's a smart move? Well, in most cases, I ask them how they would want to be treated. Hmm. And fundamentally, I think I do have the benefit of working with people who do believe that people deserve to be treated well. Yeah. You know, that, that we, we live in a mutual experience on this planet and each of us has an opportunity to lift each other up a little bit. And, and so that shift, I also try to take some of that pressure off of them that copywriting is not the goal. Yeah, Transforming yeah. everyone in that room into a copywriter is never my goal. My goal is confidence, number one, and mm. number two, pride. And that, that probably sounds weird, but I want I them what? to create things they're proud of because they are for other people. Let me give you an oh, example. Okay. Yeah. I trained a group uh, in a distribution center recently, right? And so these are people who literally have spent most of their career boxing clothes. They do not care about job postings. <laughs> that's, that's the moral of that story. And I asked them, what would you have wanted to know before you walked in here? What could have changed your life? And all of a sudden, I watched a lot of people get really excited about a job posting. Yeah. Because they knew they could pay it forward. So we wrote a section, right? It was one of those jobs where there's no requirements, which we all have at some point in our career. We're filling high volume, low retention, no requirement roles. And if you haven't, Bless you. You're lucky. Um, and so 
So I said to them, okay, no requirements, no bullets. Let's try this again. What would you have wanted to know? And we ended up creating a section that said, and I love this, it said, changing your job, you don't change your job lightly. Here are a few questions we're asked all the time. Hmm. Question one, how far is this from my house? <laughs> and, then the, the, and then we answered it. Plug this address into Google Maps. Boop. How much does this pay? We pay and arrange from this to this. Da, 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 da. We offer benefits. Da, 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 day one. Da, da, da. Like, yeah. And explained it the exact same way that a hiring manager would. Would you believe they're already seeing two-fold application on a distribution center in the middle of nowhere? Wow. By being helpful. I want to add one wrinkle into that because I think not to undercut you, but actually I think this supports the idea is that in that example, you're being specific. You're not saying we pay market rate. We pay what's expected. We pay between this and this. That is a number. That is something you could look at, stare at and say, that is a real thing. You know, whereas must have, you know, we offer best in class, blah, 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 isn't a real thing. There's nothing concrete about that. So bringing it to I mean, okay, maybe I don't know how much more or less concrete you do it for non-warehouse jobs, but the concreteness, the specificity there has as much power as the emotional. So I think that combination is really, really powerful. Yes. We focus a lot on words that do not have universal meaning, right? Mm -hmm. Example, collaborative. I bet every person who's listening right now has used the word collaborative. Yeah. Does that mean the same thing at every single company? No. Yeah. Right. So you need to explain what collaborative means at your company in your words. And mm -hmm. often all I have to do is start highlighting words and people instantly recognize that they've fallen back into the BS. Right. Yeah. They're starting to fill in words that feel right instead of feeling in words with with words that are right, that come from that, their heart, that are true, that are real. There are very few, um, someone, I say, I'm stealing this one. I can't remember who from. There are very few monogamous words. Yeah. Most words have as are as much about the person speaking them as they are about the person hearing them than they are about the word itself. Yeah. And that's why even being a great copywriter won't make you great at job postings. And so I don't, uh, I don't want anyone to hold themselves back or tell themselves they're not a writer because that's just not true. If you care, you can do this work. Because it is, it, it's meeting people where they're at. It's about clarity. It's not about perfection. It never was. Oh, I love that. Clarity, not perfection. I've, I think I've used a version of that other places. But yes, that is so true. Yeah. Katrina, this has been a fascinating, wonderful, excellent, amazing conversation. I think if anybody got to the end of this, and I can't imagine why they wouldn't, if they're even remotely interested in this stuff, they haven't learned at least seven different things. What is, and oh, by the way, I don't you teach people this stuff? <laughs> I should Captain do. Segway, Captain Segway, huh, Paging? I do appreciate it. Yeah, so we do one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching. We do, on, we have an online course, and then we also do team training for teams from anywhere to, from five people all the way up to, we've trained 100 people around the world. Wow. Yeah. That's something. Um, what's the best way to get in touch with you if that's something that's interesting? Yeah, so I'm actually the only Katrina Kibben in the world. So if you Google my name, you'll find me. Um, or you can go to three. I wish I could say that. I just, I'll, be, I'll right. let you get your URL in a second. I have the 17th most common last name in the United States. 
the list of James Ellis's who are far more famous than me is a very long list. So I, I, I have a lot of respect for a very, very SEOable name. I know. I appreciate it too. My only competition is a Navy priest and I've really crushed her this year. So there you go. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> Things and, I never thought I'd say that. I'm a Navy that. priest on SEO. Um, yeah. No, uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so the other place you can find me is at three, spelled out the number three, ears as in the one on your head, media, <laughs> three earsmedia.com. Katrina, thank you so much for hanging out with me. This has been fantastic. We don't spend enough time hanging out at all. So I'm thrilled that, you know, we get to capture it for other people because you are one of my top 10 smart people I know who I'm thrilled to be friends with. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I can't wait to nerd out with you again soon. We'll get there. We'll make it happen. All right. Thanks, Katrina. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.